Jim. Hello, I'm Lori. Here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Loud and clear. How you doing? Good. How are you doing? Good. This is Jim English, and welcome to my podcast called Who Gives a Shit Files. And I want to, everybody to know that I have a special guest, Lori Kelch, who is the consultant, nutrition consultant, for the Who Gives a Shit Files. But before we get into that, I want to let you all know that on September 13th, I had my 70th birthday. Yep, I'm old. I'm old. <laughs> but I had a great surprise. And that surprise was my sister, Lori Kelch, and her great husband, Steve, came all the way out from Dayton, Ohio, to surprise me on my 70th birthday. And they came all the way to Newport Beach. And we spent four days together and it was great and i wanted to thank you for being such a wonderful sister well we were really happy to do it we had a really good time it was great to see you well and i want to let you know that my sister Lori kelch is really the wizard of wit and wisdom she's <laughs> the illustrator of insight she is she's a very funny woman She's referred to as the giant of jocularity. She is the <laughs> princess of perception and perfection. She is the ace of acumen. So we are so flattered to have her on here. But I'm always concerned that in the introduction, I don't give her enough props. Was that all right? <laughs> eh, it'll do. Work on it for next time. <laughs> okay. I'll try and come up with something a little more endearing. There you so, go. So, Lori, what are we talking about today? We are talking about brain health today and foods that are important for the brain and some other things that are really important for the brain. Because if we don't keep our faculty, he's our brain faculties together, then we're not going to do very well as we get older. So this is really, um, I think, a really important thing for all of us to understand and, and to kind of understand a little bit of how it all works together with the rest of the body uh, and some of those specific things that will um, help us maintain our, our brain strength as we move on. So are you going to talk about nutrition or are you going to talk about like brain exercise or all of the above? Well, kind of all of the above because, you know, brain exercise is nutrition. It just may not be uh, nourishment that we actually get through food. Where would you like to start? This okay. is a broad topic. So as okay. always, you are totally prepared. So where would you like to start? Okay. What we're going to start is we're going to talk about how do we know that we need to focus in on our brains? You know, we can look at our bodies and we can say, eh, I've gotten a little overweight. I got a little bit of a belly going on. Uh, I don't have the strength that I used to have. But when it comes to our brains, we don't necessarily scrutinize um, like we do with our bodies because we can't really see it. So it's the different things that we experience that we uh, that might be telling us that we need to beef it up a little bit. So, for example, uh, we know if we're if we don't get enough sleep, 
um, that we're going to be tired, we're going to be fatigued, and we know our brains aren't going to be working all that well. But it's not just that. So we want to look at also our mood. You know, do we have a pattern of kind of irritability or are we happy on most days? Because that alone can can tell us what kind of condition our brain is in. So, Lori, um, before we leave sleep, okay, okay. Does, does sleep have a long-term effect on your brain if – um, or is it short term or how does sleep affect the brain? It, long term and short term. Both long term and short term. However, it's really it's really important to emphasize that not and I've done a lot of research on sleep because I'm not one to sleep. I don't even remember the last time I slept, say, seven or eight hours straight. And it's probably not going to happen for the rest of my life. And that's concerned me because everything that I read says, you know, we need this seven, eight hours of sleep every single night. Well, the thing for me personally is that I don't feel like the fact that I might get five or six hours of good sleep a night, probably five hours of really solid good sleep. I'm, I don't believe that's affected my brain, but I've done a lot of research on it because I feel like it should be affecting my brain. And then I heard a, um, gentleman from Harvard and I, I it was it was an interview on NPR and I honestly don't remember what the interview was about but this I do remember um, she asked him about sleep and this and he said it is individually specific so some people like me can do fine on five hours of sleep if we're not experiencing you know fatigue and mood problems and so on and so forth with it where others need uh, more sleep in order to, to feel, you know, optimally. So it's long-term, it's important. Short-term, we can't really make up for sleep um, like babies can, but, you know, as adults, we do it, we kind of do it differently. But if you look at a pattern over a period of time, the important thing is if you're not sleeping, you want to know why. And for me, it's just because I guess I don't need that much sleep. For other people, it might be stress. Um, for other people, it may just be, you know, poor diet or whatever it might be. So that's kind of, you know, that's kind of where sleep comes in, but definitely short-term and long-term, um, but specifically long-term sleep. So it's really, uh, you know, it's an individual thing, I guess, the thing to take away. Absolutely. Some people, like I need more sleep than you do. Right. So in order for me to be at my optimum, I need a little more sleep than you. I need, you know, six, seven hours. Now, how did naps fit in? Do they help? Do they hurt? No, they, did... can't, they can help. They can help a lot, especially as we get older. But what you want to look at is the length of time you're napping. So, you know, some people can do cat naps, 20 to 30 minutes. Um, you really don't want to nap longer than an hour. Because if you do, then you're going to... Um, possibly reverse the benefits. And of course, the benefits is just, you know, not only relaxation, um, but, you know, strengthening all those brain cells um, and, and, you know, and that kind of thing. But if you sleep longer, for a lot of people, it can have more of a detrimental effect because you kind of never wake up. I see. You're just kind of lethargic all day. Yeah. Long. And, and that would happen to me unless I wasn't feeling well for some reason, which doesn't happen very often. Um, you know, if I nap, it's 20 minutes. 
And I feel pretty darn good after that 20 minutes. Now, Steve, when he naps, he likes an hour and he feels really good after that hour. So again, that's going to be individual, but a nap isn't going to be a two hour to three hour thing in the middle of the day. Got it. I understand. Yeah. So are there things that we should eat that will help the brain? I'm sure there is, and I'm sure you're going to talk about it and I'm dying to hear it. Okay. There are, there are many things that we should eat, many things that we shouldn't eat. But one of the important things to remember here when we're talking about the brain, just like every other organ in the body, nothing works in isolation. Everything works together. So we there's a nerve in our body called the vagus nerve, and it goes from the brain to the abdomen. So everything that happens in our gut affects our brain, and everything that happens in our brain affects our gut. So, and it's a, it's a feedback system. It's all in a loop. Um, so, uh, in fact, in the podcast that you did with my fabulous niece, Tori, your daughter. Yes. Uh, and she talked about IBS. And one of the really important points that she made is that over 80% of our serotonin is made in our gut. And she said, happy gut, happy person. And that's that's a reality that most of the serotonin is made in our, our gut. So if we want to feel good in our brain and we want our brains to work well and we want our moods to be stable, we need to start with our gut. And of course, that's going to be primarily um, what we eat. So that vagus nerve is really important. And there are ways to nourish that that don't have anything to do with food. And we'll talk about that toward the end. So I don't want to forget uh, because it's really important to keep that nerve stimulated. But um, there's a um, uh, you're, one of the first things that's going to nourish the vagus nerve and, and in turn nourish the brain is going to be omega-3 fatty acids. That's probably on the top of the list. Okay, so you're talking about salmon and fish. Right. And, okay. Yeah. Different. Talk more about that, please. Okay. So we're going to, you know, oily fish is the best way to go. So you're looking at omega-3s are an unsaturated fat, and it has to do with uh, the double bonds of electrons between the atoms and so on and so forth. Um, but you're looking at that as opposed to, say, omega-6s. So omega-3s have these um, two or more double bonds, and it, it's where, they, where those double bonds occur on the fatty acid chain. And the same with omega-6s. Now, omega-6s that you're going to get from vegetable sources. The problem is this, way back when, even probably 50 years ago, we were looking at a ratio of one omega-3 to three omega-6s in, in the blood. Okay, so a one to three ratio in the blood. We have flipped that in probably the last 50, 60 years to the point where we're looking at one part omega-3s to 40 part omega-6s which is uh, a neon sign for inflammation. So the more omega-3s that we can get in our bodies, uh, the better off we're going to be and the better off our brain's going to be. Our brain is 60% fat. We have to feed it fat, period. And the whole low-fat stuff that we've been dealing with since the 70s has made our brains work um, suboptimally. And, you know, we've also seen the increase in things like Alzheimer's disease and neurological diseases like Parkinson's and, uh, you know, mental 
uh, health issues. Uh, and, and it's just, it's rampant. And it's not only because, you know, we're dealing with a virus that we have to, you know, survive, but it's because our brains are not nourished the way that they used to be. And so we're not able to access them uh, optimally. So interesting. So omega-3s, talk more about omega-3s. Where do we get them? Okay. Do we use supplements, salmon et cetera, is, et cetera? Yeah, salmon's going to be one of your best. Actually, if you back up, if you look at the food chain, one of the best is going to be sardines. Uh -huh. If you can handle wild sardines, you go for it. They're inexpensive. You can try and, you know, mask it up with a little bit of uh, mustard. I remember mom and dad ate a lot of sardines on saltine crackers with mustard. Now, I don't know that I would go with the saltine crackers, but, you know, the wild sardines are inexpensive. You put anything on them that you want that'll make them taste better because they're going to taste fishy. Um, but they're, they're going to be one of the number one sources of omega-3s. Uh, salmon. Yeah, it is. It's, it's very interesting. So other fish like salmon and cod, uh, halibut, those are going to be, um, you know, you're going to get some solid omega-3s with that, especially salmon. And it's all got to be wild caught. Your farm stuff isn't going to make it. So we are what we eat eats. If they're, not eating, if they're not eating in the wild, then we're not going to get what we need from them. How about tuna and trout and those Tuna fish? and trout. Trout's going to be, because that's more of a lake fish or stream fish. I just had some last night. Uh, that's going to be a little less of the omega-3s, but you are definitely going to get some. Uh, tuna, you want to make sure that you go with, because most people are going to eat uh, tuna from a can, uh, which is fine, except that you want to get like the chunk light tuna, not necessarily the albacore, because the meteor fish are going to carry more mercury with it. Interesting. So, yeah. So and then that's the last thing we need to build up in the brain is, is any mercury. So uh, we want to go with the omega-3s. But then there's some vegetable sources. Your leafy greens like kale and, and all of those kinds of greens, they're going to have trace amounts of, of omega-3s. It's a different kind of omega-3 that's in than, than what you find in fish. Um, but it's still, you know, it's still an omega-3. Walnuts are a really good source of omega-3. If you open up a walnut and you look at it, so you cut it in half with a shell and you look at it, it looks like a brain. It's got all those same <laughs> folds that the brain has. It's true. It does. It's, called the, it's called the law of signatures. And there's some foods like grapes, for example, grow on a vine and they're really good for the uh, your, your entire circulatory system. Uh, if you take a carrot and you hold it lengthwise and cut it in half uh, on the diameter there and you pick it up and look at that, look at the circle there, it looks like an eye. And we know carrots are good for the eyes. So it's called the law of signatures. Interesting thing that nature does. But eggs are a really good source of omega-3s. Really? Uh, egg yolks, especially if they're pasture-fed, not your conventional farm, you know, spitting, cows spitting out eggs. Um, these are going to be from animals, or excuse me, chickens spitting out eggs. Um, these are going to be from animals that are actually roaming uh, you know, on the farm and being able to pick and pick through, you know, cow dung and all of that kind of stuff and getting their nourishment that way. And those are the gonna, those are going to be the eggs. They're going to have the most nourishment for us. And that's going to all be in the yolk. What about, what about supplements? I, uh, you know, supplements are good. Um, there's no reason not to use a supplement, especially if you just really can't handle 
you know, fish, which a lot of people don't like. You've got to be very, very careful about where you buy them. I would go to either if you've got an online source that you know is high quality, if you've got a health food store nearby, those are the ones you're going to want to do. You don't want to go into your corner drugstore and buy a random fish oil because you may not be getting exactly what you think you're getting, number one. Number two, it could be rancid. Um, you can cut up a fish oil and smell it, and you'll probably get a little fishy odor, but if it smells really strong and icky, then chances are it's a rancid product. Now, some people have trouble taking them. They're in big gel caps, so some people get a little burp up from them. You can freeze them and take them with your meal, and for a lot of people, that really helps. Interesting. Because, Interesting. Yeah. Do, do, Lori, do you Lori, have, do you any, have any, uh, brands any brands that you that recommend? You recommend? Well, we've been using, um, we have a, there's a brand that's called Carlson Labs and Carlson is a family run company. It's been family run forever. And I really like their fish oils. I think they're really high quality. They're not the only one that's on the market that's high quality, but I really do like their fish oils. I think they're excellent. And that's, that's probably what I would choose. What else does a brain need? Uh, well, the brain also needs um, some fermented foods which most of us are not getting because of the nutrients in the fermented foods. So, you know, that's going to be things like sauerkraut and kimchi and, uh, you know, um, some of the other things that you're beet kebab, some of those fermented foods. And these are things that you can actually make at home and you can go online and look up how to ferment. And it's really simple. And those one of the things that those food, the main thing that they do is supply really good bacteria for the gut, which in turn then will nourish the brain. So that's really, you know, that's really important. We also want to make sure that we get enough protein in our diet. And of course, protein is going to be primarily from um, meat, egg, and bean sources. Uh, if you're looking at vegetarian sources like beans and grains and that, you got to combine them. You got to do your homework on that. This is why I'm not 100% um, supportive of a vegan diet because I think we're going to be missing a lot of uh, nutrients that we need. But one of the things that proteins do is that they help the body create uh, neurotransmitters. So those neurotransmitters are going to be all those, you know, feel good chemicals that we get Um that are going to nourish our brain and keep our mood, keep our mood strong. It's interesting that there was a study that was done on Alzheimer's at UCLA. It was a very small scale study, but they had, uh, they took 10 people, uh, eight of which were showing some pretty serious signs of dementia. Six of those people had to actually leave work. And one of them was a full blown Alzheimer's patient with very severe dementia. And what the researcher did is that he, instead of looking at kind of the brain plaque and that kind of thing of what we're looking at now, he looked at how the body, the brain actually can process glucose, which is sugar. And what he did was remove that factor and have the brain run on ketone bodies, which is what we get from fats. This is where the keto diet comes from. So these ketone bodies can actually uh, nourish or, or fuel the brain and the body like glucose does, but without having to deal with the sugar. So what he did is he took them off of all sugars, 
all gluten, and then put them on omega-3 fatty acids. They were eating salmon. They were eating um, pasture-fed eggs. He put them on a couple of other supplements. He did some stress reduction, um, looked at their sleep quality, and what he found after one year, and this was harder on the caregivers than it was on the, the subject themselves. What he found after one year for people who stuck to it, which was most of them, is that those six people that had to leave work actually went back to work and functioned at a higher level than they did when they first started their jobs. Uh, and the only one that did not continue to improve was the person that had the full-blown Alzheimer's. So when we look at brain function, especially declining as we age, and we hear that there's no uh, cure or there's no prevention for Alzheimer's, that is incorrect. Wow. So the, the, that's astonishing that it actually reversed the effect. It reversed the effect and we can do this. We just, you know, I think that, again, we don't put a whole lot of credibility into the value of nutrition because it can't make them any money. Them, I say, pharmaceutical companies, it can't make them any money. So the studies, even though the studies especially there, we kind of stop short of the recommendation. Now you might find a doctor that says, you know, take some of your fish oils, but honestly, if we started this before um, a couple conceives a child, then we are going to have smarter people. We are going to have people that are going to survive longer and we're going to have a much healthier population than what we have now. I love it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Is, before we leave food, is there anything else we should be eating? This well, is great stuff, by the way, Lori. We just, we just want to eat whole, real food. And we want it to come from the source it's supposed to come from. So again, you know, if you're going to eat an egg, ideally a pasture-fed egg. And, and you guys, I, you know, we have farmer's markets around here, especially in the spring, summer, and fall. But you may find them all year round where you are because, uh, you know, obviously you've got a much more conducive climate to those kinds of things than what we have. But eating just real whole food, go into the produce department and, and you know, we need to cook. We need to learn how to prepare our food. So it's not just what we eat, but, uh, you know, it's, it's how those foods are being prepared. And, you know, right now, and I get that people want convenience and so on and so forth, but if it isn't something that your grandmother or great-grandmother would eat, then you want to question whether or not you should eat it. I love it. So I got another question here for you. And yeah. I read a study by the Mayo Clinic. Oh, this was probably 10 to 15 years ago mm -hmm. that the, the plaque that develops those, you know, on the, and I, I'm, I don't know this as well as you do, but from what I understand, there's plaque or protein that develops on some of the, the, the ends of the brain, the parts of the brain. Right. And, and that creates Alzheimer's and that marijuana has been clinically shown to blow that plaque out of there. Do you know anything about that or have you heard anything? I can't really say, I have. I can't really say that it blows the plaque out of there. Um, but what I do, <laughs> what studies do show is that uh, people who actually smoked pot during the 70s um, probably have some better brain function as they get older than those who may not have. 
And yeah, the it's the cannabinoids in in pot or in you know whatever whatever you can get. You guys are a, a recreational state. We're still behind bars if we even look at it. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, there is something to that. Now that would now this is important to clarify. You don't want to sit around getting stoned all day thinking that this is going to help my brain because it's not. So, you know, you're looking at, it's, it's like coffee, for example. Coffee, a good quality coffee, um, ideally organic and free trade, okay, um, is really good for the brain. You know, it's energizing for the brain. But you don't want to sit around and drink coffee all day long because that caffeine is going to completely fizzle out the brain in the long run. So a little might be good, but a lot is probably going to flip it. Yeah, so, moderation is. I mean, yeah, you don't absolutely want to... moderation. But no, I think in fact, you know, we've seen as far as the medical marijuana stuff goes for people who have PTSD, um, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, and people who have mood issues and that kind of thing can really get, or people who have a lot of inflammation in the body, where that may eventually affect the brain because it will. Um, those are the people that are, you know, yeah, you're going to benefit from, you know, looking at um, some sort of um, cannabis, you know, uh, supplement that certainly may help you out. Absolutely. So you know how football players donate their brains to science yes. because of the concussion? Absolutely. Well, you know, I've been smoking pot consistently <laughs> since I was 18, and I still do it. So I'm going to donate in about 50 or 60 years when I pass on. Okay. I'm going to donate my brain to science so they can see what the effect that marijuana had on it. That, you know, and that's probably a really good idea. Honestly, uh -huh. I mean, we can joke about it, but it's probably a really good idea because, you know, it's been illegal for so long that people aren't going to admit it. Mm -hmm. um, but it would be interesting to study. If we could study that freely, I think it would be great. I think it would be really interesting. Well, my brain is such a marvel anyway, so I thought I'd donate it to science. It is. You know what, Jim? I was going to like use you as the prime example of the, you know, of the optimal brain, optimal brain function, I, you know. <laughs> But, uh, yeah. All right. Really so enough fun. of that silliness. Um, okay. should, we, should we go to exercise, brain exercise? Uh, brain exercises are really important. So you do, if, if you recall, uh, mom was a crossword puzzle worker forever. And that's everything. She, she did that every single morning because she didn't work um, for most of her life. And so crossword puzzles were really her thing. And once she stopped doing them and then made some other choices, you know, she, she didn't fare quite as well. But if we're doing, you know, different kind of word games and number games and you're playing chess, um, I like the word games. Um, you know, these are, these are things that you want just the brain to keep working. And exercise itself is something that can actually, um, you know, stimulate our brains. Uh, increase not only increase the uh, mood enhancing chemicals, but it also increases a protein that's called brain derived neurotropic factor. And that is BDNF. And brain derived neurotropic factor is highly influenced, majorly influenced by uh, our diet, our lifestyle, and our environment. And so that particular 
brain protein. It's a protein that's created in the brain. And what it does, it, it controls the uh, functioning of the neurons and the connection between the neurons and supports new neuron formation. And it's really important that we have really solid levels of this. And exercise is one of the things that can actually promote the, um, the functioning of uh, the brain-derived neurotropic factor. So, Interesting. So, you know, um, I remember when I hurt my hip and I was laid up and I started playing chess, you sent the, the, the 10 benefits of playing chess to me in a... Uh, in an email, and I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. I want to let you know that I did some research, and there have been thousands of grandmasters over the years, and there has been no evidence at all of mental deterioration from the best chess players in the world as they age. I bet. It, you know, I'm not surprised. Yeah. 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 I mean, mentally, you got somebody trying to kick your ass, just like just like you're doing in the words with friends. I mean, I like the way they do it, even though your friends are trying to kick your ass. Right. <laughs> right. And, uh, but, you know, the fact that, you know, that you're, you know, that you're focusing on something like chess or words with friends, you know, it not only has the, the, um, you know, the brain exercising, but whatever your issue is at the time, be it marital, be it physical, be it mental, when you're concentrating on something like that, it's an escape. It is. It's a yeah, absolutely it is. And the other thing that these do, uh, <clears throat> as we know, you and I are extremely competitive and we're extremely competitive against each other, but we're extremely competitive. And that's, I have found that that even though I may not be, I mean, I don't do competitive sports. I mean, you know, I'm too old for that stuff, but that, that the need for that competitive edge is still there. It doesn't go away. And so for me, I'm feeding that it's like an artist who has to create or a musician who has to play music because you're not fulfilled if you don't. And uh, I think it's the same thing with, with these, you know, with, for me, this kind of competition, I need that for my brain. I need it for my brain health. So, um, you know, yeah, I think this is, it's really, really important. And the, one of the issues is, I mean, sure, I play a word game on my phone, but what I'm not doing is going through and watching random videos all day long and getting into social media and all of that kind of stuff, because that's only going to depress your brain function. Right. And yeah, that's, that's interesting. Keeping that competitive edge and the intensity, uh, you know, it, it, I, I know, and it's also too, it's interesting as well as you, you know, you say that, you know, in the beginning of this podcast, and once again, thank you, this has been incredibly insightful. Um, uh, so what's interesting about this is that, if you have something like chess or word with friends, you can actually measure how your brain is doing, you know, because like you said, you can't, you can't look at your body. You can't look at your brain. Like you look at your body and right. get on the scales. But if you've got something that you're competitive at, you can tell how you're doing. Like for chess, I can tell if I've had a rough night. 
You know, I start playing chess and I get my ass kicked because I can't concentrate as well. But, you know, that's, I think that is key because in business, they say, if you want to, if you want to increase performance, you measure it. Right. You know, you measure it because, and it's the same with anything with you're doing with your brain to increase that competitive edge and to maintain uh, brain function and concentration if there's a way to measure your progress and feel good about improving that will help your brain too am i correct there absolutely you're correct yep yep so yeah and those you know those are things that that we just even you know not just the brain exercise like that we mentioned regular exercise and we don't have to get into a gym. You don't have to go to three hours in the gym. You don't have to, you know, do these extensive workouts. And, you know, we're, I think what happens is we, we look at, when we look at the information on exercise, physical exercise, and it tells us that we need to do, you know, so many minutes a day for so many days a week. And people are like, oh, gee, I can't do that. This is where I have trouble with that kind of uh, recommendation. Because if you can go out, if you go out and walk 15 minutes a day, brisk walk 15 minutes a day, you're doing yourself a tremendous amount of benefit for both the body and the brain. Here's another study that was real interesting with, um, and they've done this several times with the brain. For people who have to sit on the computer or sit at your desk, if you go, if you get up, if, you, if you're sitting for one hour and you get up for 30 seconds and do something really vigorous, you're getting an amazing amount of benefit from that. So for example, I mean, what the study did is that they had, they had people working for an hour and then they had a special kind of bicycle that they got on for 20 seconds and pedaled this bicycle. And they found out, you know, within a day, if you do 20 seconds every hour, that the benefits are going to be enormous. And they, they were able to prove that as far as the, the brain function goes and the metabolism goes and all of that, all of that kind of thing. So for people who might have, you know, who don't have an exercise bike, you know, handy, here's one of the things that you can do. You get up, you're, you're, you're sitting for an hour go to a rug, lay down and get up as fast as you can and do that as many times as you can do it in 30 seconds. And you're going to feel your heart rate's going to increase. Um, you know, your, 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 your breathing's going to increase all of those things. And if you do that for 20 seconds an hour, you're going to get major benefits from it or do some jumping jacks or whatever it might be. So we don't need to, and that's kind of like that, um, high intensity interval training where you're doing something at a, a comfortable pace and then you really speed it up for 30 seconds and then you go back to a comfortable pace. You know, any movement at all is going to be beneficial for us. You don't have to go to a gym and work out, you know, three hours a week or whatever it is. You, it's just, it's not necessary to do that. So that's, so there's no excuse not to move. I love it. Yeah, I love absolutely. it. I totally agree. Here's, so, something, here, here's something else that I just want to throw out. Okay smiling okay the muscles that we use in smiling actually trigger a brain reaction regardless of whether or not we have something to smile about so if you train your brain to smile 
You know, if you train your body to smile, your brain is going to be smiling right there with you because of the muscles you're going to be using. And it's so easy to do, even if we don't feel like it, just do it. I because love it. Chances are you're going to be happy. And somebody can say, well, you know, I, I'm in a really crappy mood today. I don't feel like smiling. Turn the corners of your mouth up. Give it a try because it could really make a difference. And sometimes I will do that in the middle of the night if I'm not sleeping well because I've got stress going on and my brain's working 100 miles an hour. Turn the corners of my mouth up and smile. It relaxes me and I can get back to sleep easier. Believe it or not, it works. So all, so all I, have I have to do, have to do is, is look in the, the mirror to smile. Of course you do. Jim, you've got it so easy here. It's the rest of us that are struggling through this. So you're so, going to talk about the vagus nerve. The vagus what? nerve. I just Here's how you stimulate the vagus nerve. Because you can actually stimulate it to function more efficiently. So that the information that comes from our gut to our brain and back to our gut is going to be uh, complete and whole and we're going to be able to um, utilize that information that will then give us a healthier brain as well as a healthier gut. It all works together in that feedback. Okay, this is a big one. Exposure to cold. Now for us living in Dayton, Ohio, that's not really a problem most times of the year. but you know, I can go out and lay in the snow and that'll do it. Cold shower, that'll do it. Just in the morning, splashing really cold water on your face and make sure it gets above your forehead because that can stimulate the vagus nerve. So your exposure to cold is a, is a good thing. Now, obviously you don't want to be ridiculous about it and, you know, get frostbite. But um, if you could, you know, if people can work themselves up to, uh, 10 to 15 minutes in lighter clothing in really cold weather, work yourself up to it, uh, you're, you're really doing some great things for your body. Um, deep and slow breathing rather than really rapid breathing. Singing, humming, chanting, gargling, all of those noise things that you're making from your throat can actually, because of the, the way the vagus nerve travels up to the brain, that can actually stimulate, those muscles can stimulate the vagus nerve too. Uh, meditation, um, that can do it. I'm not good at that. Uh, I try, but I'm not very good at that. <laughs> uh, How about counting? Uh, counting probably could if you do it in a sing-song way. You see what I'm saying? Yep. Because if humming and chanting, you know, one, two, three, that kind of thing, absolutely it could, you know? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I'm not sure that that's going to be stimulating the vagus nerve as much as if you do it with the humming and the chanting. Really? Um, the omega-3 fatty acids, actually, they do it indirectly because they're nourishing the gut and therefore nourishing the brain. Probiotics will do the same thing. Exercise, massage. But here's a, this last one is a really big one. And a lot of us have been deficient with this over the last couple of years. And that is socializing and laughing. Our social connections are really, really, really important for the brain. And the one thing that I will say about mom is that she didn't maintain social connections. And I think that had a detrimental effect on her. Uh, but the more that we can maintain social connections, the more that we can socialize, laugh. We did a lot of laughing this weekend. We did. Uh, you know, and even though uh, we may have uh, imbibed a little, um, you know, I don't think that that, I think, <laughs> I think all the other behaviors that we 
practiced will, you know, actually maybe uh, kind of cancel that out. So, you know, it, it's really, really important to stay connected socially uh, with family and friends. Got to do wow. it. Anything yeah. else you'd like to say about brain health? Um, I don't think so. I think we got most of it. And, uh, and here's, here's something again, really important. We've got to think back of this study at UCLA because we can't, we, we can't just say, well, this is where I am now. And because I'm, you know, I'm 67 years old, you're 70 years old, things are never going to change. Untrue untrue. We can make a difference. And if we've been diagnosed with some memory issues, we can correct that. We can reverse this. And so for somebody to say that there's absolutely um, no remedy for, we, we can't control time. You know, we're going to get older in terms of time, uh, but we don't have to get older in terms of our body aging. And that I think is is really important. And with, let's sum up what you need to do, please, in the last okay. minute or so. Let's talk sure. about that study once again, because I think that's important for people to understand. So why don't you run through exactly what happened and the results as the summation to this podcast, please? Okay. So looking, changing diet adding those omega-3 fatty acids, getting whole real food into your body. Um, that's going to be number one and eliminating those foods, which, yeah, we can say we love them, but eliminating the sugar because sugar and glucose are going to be one of the factors of the brain that is going to deteriorate it really, really quickly. So we want to make sure that we're minimizing the amount of sugar and refined flours and that kind of thing that we're eating and really enhance those whole foods and the, especially the omega-3s. Want to get that in there. Uh, we want to make sure that our, we're doing something to help reduce our stress, whether that be exercise or the brain exercises that we talk about with the chest and the words and, and so on and so forth. We need to do something that's going to help control our stress. We need to make sure that the sleep that we're getting is restful sleep, even if it's only a few hours. Really, really important. And if there's chronic problems with sleeping, um, there are natural sleep aids on the market, you know, that, that certainly could help. Um, but your diet is going to be, again, the one thing that you're going to want to look at. You're not going to want to eat a whole bunch of sugar before you go to bed or your blood sugar is going to go nuts and you're not going to sleep. Um, so that's, you know, that's really important. Um, uh, making sure that we are nourishing our gut in terms of the probiotics, uh, and, and, you know, making sure the microbiome is, is working efficiently. And that's all of those things are going to help that happen. You know, that's And then making sure that we have the social connections that we need to have, that we have friends and, and, you know, so on and so forth. And, and those are going to be the biggest things that are going to help our, help our brains as we age. Lori, this has been great. I thank you profusely. And, you know, is there anything else you'd like to say? Um, I don't, you know, I don't think so. Just eat real food. Keep in mind, we are what we eat eats. That's a really important one. Um, and be happy. Smile. Well, I'm going to listen to this podcast when we're done, and I'll be grinning ear to ear. Okay. <laughs> You're funny. You're love funny. you, Lori. Yeah, I love you too, Jim. Good to talk to you always. Bye now. Take care.